Okay, so we looked at 111 and its cognates 1110 and 1111 in our last video about Enochian squares. We also looked at the concept of resurrection in the Great Pyramid and the Vitruvian Man. And then we saw here the actual way it would appear on the Giza Plateau. If you drew it, you get 1,110. 1,110 megalithic yards, you know, uh, some of the people that started this whole thing with sacred geometry say the megalithic yard is one of the main units of measurement, 1,110, okay? Then you get it when you do the square, and then you also get it when you go across on the diagonals through the middle. Okay, so incredible, 1,110. So 1,000, well, excuse me, 111 is amazing, which is what 1,110 means, and then the fulfillment of that is 111 amazingness and 1,111, okay? So you've got the number 1, the number 20, and the number 100. So 121 is the length in cubits of that queen's chamber shaft. And it happens to be 11 times 11. And here's why I say, now I should mention here that the, those numbers are what was found inside the secret door that's inside the Queen's Chamber passage in the Great Pyramid. It took a robot to find those numbers we just saw. They've been hidden until the 21st century. See that? Okay, so here's uh, here's the Great Pyramid. So I uh, did a quick sketch here. So look at this. So if I put a line where the, at the 105th course, which is where the, the air shaft from the King's Chamber exits the pyramid, and then again the same thing on the other side, the 105th course, the other uh, 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 air shaft of the of the king's chamber exits there, and then if I you know, draw the lines up from the very uh, you know, corner vertice of the pyramid there, okay, look at this. It's eleven times eleven cubits from the vertice to the hundred and fifty course, going just horizontal, and the same thing on the other side, of course, going from the uh, the uh, that actually be the uh, uh, the southern vertice going to the hundred and fifth course on a horizontal. It's eleven times eleven cubits. And then the 198 cubits in the middle are 9 times 11 plus 11. So, you know, I just think that there, it's incredible that these numbers are in the Great Pyramid. They okay, so amazing, amazing, amazing. At least I think this whole 111 thing. You know, we saw it in the adding up of the diagonals, the verticals, the 14 places, sort of the resurrection. And we got the Jed pillar. Uh, you know, here, symbolizing resurrection, matching the Great Pyramid and an ancient, you know, symbol of Egypt that's, that's resurrection. You've got Vitruvius, the, you know, the Roman architect. You've got the Vinci, you've got the Great Pyramid, all these coming together. So what did I find for my sister about 111 besides all this? Because I told her I was going to do some searches on the web. Well, when I did, I was reminded of a book I read back in the 70s because searching for 111 on the Internet led to this. This is Jerry Lucas. He was an all-pro basketball player with the New York Knicks. I could say a lot of things about him. Uh, he, he, even though he's an all-pro basketball player, he wasn't fulfilled by simply just you know dribbling on the court. He would be doing numbers in his head and memorizing things while he's playing professional basketball. So he wrote a book in the 70s with, Jer with the Del Washburn called Theomatics, in which he said that the Greek and the Hebrew language, which each one of the letters in those languages that are biblical in the languages, have numerical values. So every letter, every word, every phrase, every sentence in both Hebrew and Greek has a numerical value. So he started putting it together. He says, well, you know, Huesus uh, is uh, 111 times 8. Christon, 111 times 12. The phrase, the birth of Jesus was thus, 111 times 49. 
she will bear a son, 111 times 11. Behold, a virgin, 111 times 27. She bore a son and called his name, 11, 111 times 24. Um, to you a sign, the virgin shall be with child. It's 888, which is 111 times 8. The babe in the womb, 111 times 13. The fruit of thy womb, 111 times 14. The Lord, 111 times 9. The days to bear, 111 times 5. Okay, so you get the idea here. In the book Theomatics, they found all these connections, 111 to Jesus, and everybody knows in the world that they're either they believe it or it's a myth that he rose, he rose. But the whole religion is built on the idea that Jesus rose, and the number 111 is associated with him in these two languages. Okay? Uh, the babe lying in the manger, 111 times 22, his child, 111 times 26, blessed is the... So, well, here's one conclusion that could be drawn from this. So, there's a whole school of Christian expositors of the Great Pyramid. started with John Taylor in 18, 1859, C. Piazzi Smith, the royal astronomer for the nation of Scotland, a profound scientist, uh, believed in the Christian view of the Great Pyramid. Uh, Adam Rutherford, even Sir Isaac Newton. And so they said that the Great Pyramid has a prophecy of when Jesus was born and when he was, when he was crucified. Uh, you take an inch for a year and then uh, at several points inside the Great Pyramid, uh, the timeline works to show the time of Jesus' birth and uh, the time of his death. And then the Grand Gallery seems to be sort of a symbol of the Christian era after that. So from that school of uh, interpreters, the Great Pyramid itself is prophesying uh, Jesus' life and his death and ultimately his resurrection. So these Enochian squares uh, seem to, uh, just like the Vitruvian Man Rising, seem to prophesy a resurrection. And the fact that there were 14 111s in the Enochian square is a plain reference to Osiris, or it seems a plain reference to Osiris, the, 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 myth, the myth of Osiris. Now, you know, Osiris was cut into uh, 14 pieces by his arch enemy, and, and, uh, and then ultimately his sister, you know, uh, Isis, uh, you know, brings him back together. Well, does anybody really believe that? It's a myth, it's an Egyptian myth that you, you can't read about Egypt and Wikipedia or anywhere else and not find out about the myth of Osiris, does anybody believe it? No. It's, it's, well, uh, myths can have truths. They point to things in civilizations. They're not true in the sense of true history. That's why it's a myth. But Jesus' birth and death are history. And for Christians, uh, his resurrection is not a myth. You know, it's a fact. But then obviously people that, uh, you know, doubt Christianity or condemn it, you know, would say that the story of his rising is a myth. But the point is, it's still in a different category than Osiris, because we don't know of a person that named Osiris that lived. So the whole Osiris thing is a myth where Jesus is plainly a real person, a historical person. So it seems the evidences are with all the 111s, since that's associated with resurrection, that all the 111s that are associated with Jesus' name plainly in both well, in, in the New Testament through the Theomatics, uh, it just seems like it's, uh, it's, it's a further cementing of this idea that, that this whole Christian tradition have said in the Great Pyramid that Jesus is the fulfillment of all this stuff about resurrection. 
And so he's the fulfillment of the o Osiris myth. Now, now it's interesting that, uh, you know, the Bible says that Enoch was translated. He walked with God, it says, so he pleased God. Well, Enoch knew about the second coming. Uh, the book of Jude quotes Enoch, and he's talking about the second coming of Jesus. Well, because Enoch was highly honored in his day, he walked close with God, he knew about the first coming. He was shown uh, the plan of salvation. He knew that Jesus would come the first time. He would die on a cross. That would be a su sufficient sacrifice to redeem the human race, that he would then, you know, uh, much later in time, come again a second time. Enoch knew all those things, and so he taught people in his day about them. So before the flood, there was a lot of this information about the Messiah who was to come. Now, obviously, a lot of people didn't believe Enoch. They didn't walk with God. And so the things that Enoch taught got perverted. And so ultimately, they got into Egyptian myth as things like, you know, Osiris being cut into 14 pieces. Because sometimes scholars say that Christianity sprung from Egyptology. Because you've got this idea of resurrection in Egyptology and the Christian religion comes later, you know, and then his son Horus, you know, so the son of, you know, Jesus is the son, Horus is the son of Osiris. So, so they say that Christianity sort of copied from uh, these Egyptian myths. But you've got to go farther back before, where did Egypt get them? Well, they got them ultimately, I think, from Enoch, from the stories that entered the human race through him. And so the Egyptian myths were just a... Uh, a perversion of the things Enoch talks. So Christianity straightened them out again. So you've got the, you know, you've got the true teachings in the world from Enoch, and you've got the perversions in many, you know, civilizations and cultures, including Egypt. And then Christianity comes and sets them right again. So that, that would be, to me, a legitimate interpretation of all the 111s, the Vitruvian Man Rising, the prophecies in the Great Pyramid. Interesting what Enochian squares can lead to.